Hey everybody, welcome to the Bridgetown Daily for Tuesday, July 14th. If we haven't met yet, my name's Gerald. Thanks so much for following along. I am here with my good friend Joseph down in the basement of our newly remodeled building. It is beautiful. Can't wait for you guys to see it. It is a warm day. The sun is shining. Joseph is wearing all black, and I have no idea why, except he's deeply committed to it. Um, So today, I want to introduce you to the Jesus Prayer. But first, I just want to give some context for this. I don't know where you're at in the middle of this COVID season, this uh, long journey that we're on and what you're learning, discovering, and leaning into around racial injustice, racism in our country, in our institutions, and in our own hearts. But I don't know about you, but I get to these places where my thoughts and my concerns are all over the place and hard to gather and sometimes dominating. And um, it's hard to pray sometimes in the morning, and it's more like just presenting my stress to God rather than really slowing down to connect deeply with the Spirit of the living God. And of all the practices that are out there, I've ran into one, uh, an old practice, this prayer, the Jesus Prayer, actually comes out of the 5th century, and it's been really, really helpful for me to pray and to even lean into this idea from the Apostle Paul of unceasing prayer through memorizing and just repeating this short prayer. So here is the Jesus Prayer. I'm going to share it with you, and then we'll go back through and look at some of the history and the scripture behind it. The Jesus Prayer is simply this, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's it. And in church history, it's been used sometimes to repeat over and over again. It sometimes is described as like it starts in your head, and as you think about the deep theological truths in each one of those words, Lord, Jesus Christ, and you work your way through it, it descends from your head down into your heart. And even after you practice that short prayer over and over and over, it becomes kind of an instinct, kind of second nature. It's just running this operating system in the back of your mind and even in your heart that you can access in times of need. But first, I want to tell you the story uh, that introduced me to the Jesus Prayer. The story goes back to Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters, particularly in Russia. And the story was that a young man, and I picture, if you know anything, the story of um, Augustine in North Africa, a young man who had lived a worldly life, who had given himself to whatever he wanted, pleasures of this earth. You know, in our context, it's kind of like the sex, drugs, rock and roll. And he had given himself to all of that and had no fulfillment. So he turned up at a monastery, an Orthodox Eastern monastery, followers of Jesus who had committed themselves to the monastic life in the fifth century. And he showed up there and he said, okay, I'm ready. You know, in a sense, I've followed my own way. Now I'm ready 
to follow your way, the way of Jesus. And the monk said, well, then what you'll do is you'll set out with one of our brothers today to go to this other village, a day's walk there, a day's walk back, and you'll go with him for this journey. And all we want you to do, your induction, so to speak, is going to be on your way to you know, a day's walk to this village, we want you to over and over pray the Jesus prayer. And then on your return the next day, do the same. And then after that, we'll begin. So in a sense, it was like he was going to meditate on. And remember, the Judeo-Christian view of meditating on is to contemplate, to go over and over in your mind, not to empty your mind, but quite the opposite, to say no to every thought except this one thought that you're going to meditate on. And that was his task, to meditate on the truths of this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And when I heard that story, it just captivated me. Like It kind of goes back to the um, liturgies or the creeds of uh, the church where these statements have been boiled down to help people uh, memorize and internalize these beautiful, deep truths. So um, this also has deep scriptural background. The Jesus prayer comes right out of scripture. Um, as you think about these topics, you can see, or these, you know, these deep theological titles for Jesus, this cry for help, you can see where these would come absolutely right out of scripture. I think that Philippians chapter 2 is where it begins. And Philippians chapter 2 is this um, beautiful Christological hymn in this Pauline epistle. And at the end of it, Paul says, therefore, talking about Christ, the humility of Christ and the exaltation of Christ, therefore God gave him, Jesus, the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And isn't it interesting, I often think about the casual kind of buddy Jesus uh, way that here on the West Coast in particular, we talk about Jesus. Oh, he's my buddy and he just, you know, tags along with me. He's a lot like me and it's buddy Jesus. But when you slow down, and you look at Paul's language here, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's power and authority in that full name. He is the Lord. And remember, even in the first century context, Roman citizens would say Caesar is Lord, that Caesar is deity, that he is master, and Jesus is Lord. It was subversive, and it was stating that, no, there is a different king and it's not Caesar and he is fully God and he is fully man and he is King Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And when I hear that phrase, the Son of God, I am drawn back to the Trinitarian community of love and just reminded, as we've said before, even on this podcast, that at the center of the universe is a relationship. It is a father-loving 
the Son. And that is Father God loving Jesus. That's the center of everything. And as I think through this prayer, as I pray it over and over, I'm connected back to the reality of who Jesus is. He is the one that at his baptism in Matthew chapter 3, the heavens open and the Father's booming voice comes down and says, this is my son whom I love. In him, I'm well pleased. Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then there's this beautiful cry for help. And I don't know about you, but in this moment in my life and in this time of COVID and our country, I need help. I am deeply aware throughout the day, multiple times of how much I need God as my helper. I need the Holy Spirit as my helper. And that's really the core, the cry of this prayer, have mercy on me. It's a cry for help. It's like in one word boiled down, it would be help. This guttural cry. You see this in the Psalms, this just prayer for deliverance from my enemies. God, help me. Have mercy on me. And I think this connects back to uh, the story that Jesus taught, this parable in Luke 18. I think specifically um, this space, this God have mercy on me, comes right out of the story. Remember the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector? Jesus says that um, there were two men who went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector both evil in the sight of the people. And the Pharisee uh, stood by himself and prayed, God, you know, he's just deeply religious. I'm glad I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like this tax collector. Dang. And he says, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. That's his opening prayer, right? And then Jesus says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And clearly, Jesus is exalting the humility of the tax collector. And I think that's the sense of this prayer. It's God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, I need your help. I can't do this alone. Come to my rescue. I'm humbly asking for your help. So I know some get hung up on this idea of um, sinner. We have a robust New Testament theology where clearly once you put your faith in Jesus, you are a saint. You are a holy one. This is an undeniable aspect of the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit at conversion for every single follower of Jesus. And I don't know about you, I deeply connect with also sinning. Yes, I am a saint and a holy one, and I want to live more and more out of and into that identity and high calling. But the reality is, I'm a saint who also sins. And I think that, you know, some have removed this out of the prayer. Maybe you want to, maybe not. But for me, it connects me back to that deep need I have for Jesus. Jesus means Yahweh saves, and I don't know about you, but I need that salvation daily. So that's some of the thoughts around where the the, um, theology comes from, the scripture that's around this prayer. But let me just end by saying this. What's been most helpful for me with this prayer 
is it gives me words when I don't have anything to pray. But also, it gets lodged in my mind. If I wake up at 4 a.m. and I'm wide awake worrying about this or that or thinking about my kids and what if this happens, I discipline myself to come back to this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ. And what's interesting is there's abbreviated versions of this prayer too. One of them is, Lord have mercy. And another abbreviated version of this prayer is just Jesus. The other day I was in a conversation with my kids and it was, you know, these intense conversations about um, sexuality or marijuana or the future of, you know, capitalism. And I was like out loud under my breath as the conversation was going directions. I just want everyone to agree with me and it would be so much easier. But as the direct, as the conversation direction went sideways, I just muttered under my breath, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that was, and then my kids looked at me and they were like, dad, what are you doing? And I'm like, man, I'm praying. And they all laughed. But really there's something that gets lodged in your heart, in your mind when you wake up at 4 a.m., when the thoughts start rushing and you don't know your way out, this is where I go. Back to this prayer again. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So I don't know if that's helpful for you, but may you try that. Put it in your tool belt. May it be a practice and a prayer that helps you reconnect when you don't have words to pray. When you wake up and the thoughts come rushing in, may this guide you back to your loving Heavenly Father and the triune community of love.